It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, January 21st, 2022. I'm Kelly Reese and this is the KVMR Evening News. Up ahead, the California Report gives us a roundup of federal funding heading the state's way. We follow along as Governor Gavin Newsom visits the apocalyptic wreckage of recently ravaged cargo trains in Los Angeles. Then the report's Saul Gonzalez sits down with California's junior U.S. Senator Alex Padilla to discuss his first year in Washington. We'll take a brief look at news and weather before Felton Pruitt speaks to local commercial pilot Juan Brown about the Federal Communications Commission's battle with the Federal Aviation Administration over the upcoming 5G rollout. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Vice President Kamala Harris will be in San Bernardino today, where she's expected to announce more federal money for wildfire prevention. From KVCR and the Inland Empire, Jonathan Linden reports. Harris will announce $1.3 billion in disaster relief funding for the U.S. Forest Service. Nearly half of that will go to California. The money will help pay for things like reforestation and cleanup of hazardous materials. Harris is also expected to discuss a $48 billion federal investment in projects meant to reduce fire threats and create more drought-resistant landscapes. As part of her visit, she'll tour the San Bernardino National Forest and get a briefing on the 2022 fire season. Over the last two years, CAL FIRE says more than 6.5 million acres have burned in the state. For the California Report, I'm Jonathan Linden in San Bernardino. A lot of rain and snow fell on California in December. Because of the storms, California's Department of Water Resources has announced there's enough water in state reservoirs to meet 15% of water requests across California from municipal and agricultural suppliers. Now, the 15% isn't much, but it's way better than the 0% allocation announced by the state last month. Whether more water can be supplied in the future will depend on how many rainy and snowy days we have ahead of us. Have you seen those viral images of the epic mess that was left behind in Los Angeles after thieves broke into idling cargo trains? Well, Governor Gavin Newsom visited the mess yesterday and said it looked like something you'd see in, quote, a third world country. Newsom also used his visit to pitch his proposal to create a special unit to investigate retail thefts in the state, often perpetrated by what Newsom says are highly mobile criminal networks that target everything from high-end stores to cargo trains. They're organized groups of folks that move from site to site. When there's more attention, a bright light on one site, they move to the next site. When it comes to the train thefts, Union Pacific says it's working with the CHP and local law enforcement to investigate. And it's also beefing up security. That includes putting up new fencing at train yards and deploying drones. California's junior U.S. Senator, Democrat Alex Padilla, has just marked his first year in office. A progressive who's an ardent supporter of much of the Biden administration's policy goals, Padilla has participated in some victories, like the passage of the big infrastructure bill. But he's also seen a lot of what he went to Washington to do, like immigration reform and more social spending, blocked by both Republicans and his fellow Democrats, Senators Kirsten Sinema of Arizona and Joe Manchin of West Virginia. I talked to Padilla about his first year as a U.S. Senator and what he's been able to do and not do. 
Senator Padilla, thanks for joining us on the California Report. Thank you for having me back. Senator, let's start with some big news out of the U.S. Senate, and that's the failure of voting rights legislation to pass this week. You're a longtime champion of expanding the right to vote. Uh, You were once California's Secretary of State, where you managed uh, and oversaw elections here. What's your reaction to this? What does this all mean? Look, uh, clearly disappointed. We know that uh, it's not just that voting rights are important. Uh, but they're literally under attack in uh, so many states across the country. We see the uh, election subversion when uh, political forces are targeting nonpartisan, professional state and local elections officials. There's a big problem. And uh, we don't have to imagine what it could lead to. Uh, All we have to do is reflect on the deadly insurrection in the Capitol of last January 6th. So do you think that this takes an already hot political climate in this country and makes it that much more hotter? Oh, look, by the tension in Senate chambers all day yesterday, I can tell you we are at uh, pretty much at peak high. I want to talk about you, Senator Padilla. You're observing your first year in office as U.S. Senator from California, but you weren't elected to this position. Governor Newsom picked you to replace Kamala Harris when she became vice president. So couple of questions. What kind of a first year have you had? And why should voters elect you to this office? Because you are facing an election campaign this year. Uh, Look, it's uh, been quite an eventful year, but I think in many ways, a very uh, successful, effective first year. To think that uh, within the first few weeks of my time in the Senate, I was able to take part in the crafting and the passage of the American Rescue Plan. Uh, That measure meant billions of dollars in aid to state and local governments, to working families, to small business owners. Flash forward to uh, the end of 2021, when the president signed the bipartisan infrastructure package, which included several of my measures, money for resiliency of the electrical grid, money for water infrastructure, money for transportation and public transit and high-speed internet access for more people, tremendous historic investments, uh, but we have a lot more work to do. Comprehensive immigration reform, uh, investments in childcare, housing, healthcare, so uh, eager to continue the work. Well, you just listed them yourself. It would sound to me like you've had arguably more losses than victories during your short tenure there in the Senate. When you add up the tally sheets, there are more L's than W's, no? Look, if if anybody who has studied history knows anything about the United States Senate, it's not uh, necessarily the most efficient place to, to get things done. But when we act, as we did with the Infrastructure and Jobs Act and the American Rescue Plan, they're big moments. And so we need to continue the momentum. It doesn't make it easy when it's literally a 50-50 split in the Senate. And then you have, of course, the F word, the filibuster rule that still stands in the way of so much progress. But, you know, I didn't take this job because I thought it was going to be easy. I took this job because it's so important. Senator Alex Padilla, thank you so much for joining us on The California Report. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Continue to stay safe. Support for The California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. 
And that is the California Report for Friday, January 21st. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Keith Mizuguchi, and Holly J. McBeed. Our editor is Angela Corral. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, have a good day and weekend. Turning our attention to regional news, Nevada County Public Health reports 94 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. Out of 12,714 cases since the start of the pandemic, 2,052 are active. 26 people are hospitalized, five of whom are in the ICU. The Nevada County Community Library has paused all in-person library services. Yesterday, January 20th, marked a return to their curbside and front door pickup system. The decision was made in response to Nevada County's rising COVID-19 cases. Quote, This was a difficult call to make, but ultimately we want to do whatever is safest for our community, end quote, states County Librarian Nick Wilzek. The circulating library branches spent much of the pandemic in this arrangement. They'll provide curbside and front door pickup service during their regular open hours. The City of Sacramento has spent $12.3 million to purchase an 100-acre long vacant Meadowview property from the federal government. City officials plan to open a large, safe parking site for homeless individuals living in vehicles. The site could also be used for a large affordable housing complex or a large homeless shelter, said Ryan Brown, Chief of Staff for Councilwoman May Vang, who represents Meadowview. It could also be used for community amenities, such as a park, open space, or a nature preserve, he said. Vang will hold a series of listening sessions over the next three months to hear the desires of the residents, a neighborhood often considered underserved and disadvantaged. At safe parking lots, homeless people living in cars and RVs get access to bathrooms, showers, medical and rehousing services, and do not have to worry about being towed. The site could potentially host more than 200 safe parking spots. This from the Sacramento Bee. As the Winter Olympics near their February 4th date, it comes as little surprise that once again the Truckee Tahoe region will be well represented. Today, U.S. Ski and Snowboard announced its nominations for the Olympic Alpine team, and it looks as though many locals may be on their way to Beijing. Truckee's towering downhill skier, Bryce Bennett, is set to make his second Olympic appearance while North Tahoe's A.J. Hurt is nominated for her first Olympic team. National Junior Championship skier Keeley Cashman joins Hurt, her Team Palisades Tahoe teammate. Another Team Palisades Tahoe representative is Nina O'Brien. This will be O'Brien's Olympic debut. And Sugar Bowl Ski Team and Academy's Luke Winters will be another rookie joining the Olympic team. This reported from the Union of Grass Valley. It looks as though we have a windy weekend ahead. Let's see what our regional weather has in store. The National Weather Service expects north to east winds will increase across the interior of Northern California. The strongest winds over the Northern Sierra and Southern Cascades are anticipated tonight and Saturday. Gusts of 50 to 70 miles per hour are likely in higher elevations and exposed ridges in the Northern Sierra. The most significant impacts are expected in the mountains where downed trees and power outages may occur. Keep in mind, driving conditions will also be difficult. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 39. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 61 and gusts as high as 36 miles per hour.
Sunday, sunny as well with a high near 59. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 18. Saturday, sunny with a high near 38 and winds up to 15 miles per hour. Sunday, sunny as well with a high near 44. The National Weather Service has issued a lake wind advisory in effect from now until noon on Saturday. Prepare for winds up to 25 miles per hour with gusts up to 45 miles per hour. This may cause four-foot waves on Lake Tahoe. Be sure to check lake conditions before heading out and prepare for sudden increases in winds and wave heights. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly clear with a low around 44. Wind between 16 and 18 miles per hour with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Tomorrow we'll see sun for most of the day with a high near 64. Expect winds up to 17 miles per hour and gusts as high as 31 miles per hour. Sunday, winds will have calmed. The day will be sunny with a high near 60. A wind advisory for the Sacramento Valley and Delta areas remains in effect until tomorrow morning. Expect winds from 20 to 30 miles per hour with gusts up to 45 miles per hour. These gusty winds could damage unsecured objects. Tree limbs and weakened trees could be blown down. Prepare for possible power outages. are back in the news in a big way. As telecommunications companies pose a huge risk to commercial air travel, the Federal Communications Commission and Federal Aviation Administration spar over the proposed 5G rollout. Felton Pruitt speaks with local commercial pilot Juan Brown about the FCC's auction of frequencies to telecoms, which would have dire ramifications for commercial aircrafts. We're talking with Juan Brown. He's a local commercial pilot who we talk with all the time during fire season because you're based over there at the Grass Valley Air Attack Base. Juan, thanks for joining us. Hey, Felton, thanks. Uh, Thanks for reaching out to me on this 5G fiasco that we have going on right now. It sounds like we've got a crisis temporarily averted for two weeks, but... It's a, this is a long time coming, this whole story. Well, let's lay the groundwork here now. I guess it's the uh, telephone industry or somebody was about to launch 5G all over the country. It's not a real powerful signal. It's only about a 5-watt signal in the transmitters. But the problem is the frequencies that, they, that the FCC has auctioned off here in the United States. Unlike over in Europe, the FCC has auctioned off some frequencies very close to the frequencies that we use for our radio altimeters in our commercial aircraft. Now, the radio altimeters are the very critical and important device that give us very accurate altitude information, which enables us to do automatic landings when the weather is less than a half-mile visibility, which it is frequently. And when the weather's that bad, we can't see we're required to use the automation. So without the radio altimeter, or if there's interference with the radio altimeter, our ability to land in low visibility conditions is hampered. So what they're saying is if they did this 5G rollout, you might have an airplane trying to land at Sacramento International Airport in bad weather, say the Thule fog that we've been having in the mornings, and they wouldn't be able to use their instruments or they might get some glitch in their instrument readings while they're trying to take off or land. Is that the issue pretty much? Basically, correct. And now it's come to a problem where the FCC and the FAA are fighting each other over this. 
and the FAA, just in a very blunt use of force, put out an air, air, a couple of things, a thing called the Airworthiness Directive to all of us operators that says if an airport is instrument procedures are notumed closed due to 5G interference, you cannot begin that approach. You cannot fly that approach. And then yesterday, <laughs> up popped these notums all around the country, noteming closed all of the airports with precision approaches that require the use of a radio altimeter, a radar altimeter. So yesterday it looked like the entire country was not going to be allowed to fly in anything less than a half-mile visibility, which would have caused a huge backup. And by lunchtime, the telecoms agreed to this two-week delay. And what the airline industry is looking for is they're looking for a standard similar to what they have over in Europe. We're looking for the the transmitters that are in the flight path of the aircraft on these precision instrument approaches to be moved out of the way. We don't want 5G right on short final for the airliners where it will interfere with our radio altimeters. Unfortunately, this is not just limited to the airlines. It's also a problem for helicopter operations as they use radio altimeters, particularly when it comes to um, precision landings in the weather on hospital rooftops in the big cities. So there's another area where we're going to need to protect a bit of a buffer zone from this 5G interference because the problem is that the frequencies that the FCC auctioned off are too close to that of the radio altimeters. So was the FCC asleep at the wheel when they decided to allocate these frequencies or did they just not care or what happened? Well, that's a, we don't know yet. Um, the FCC used to be a very technical organization. Its mission was to um, allocate these frequencies appropriately, <clears throat> but then something happened <laughs> with the money, and this has become a big money operation. And the FCC was able to auction off these frequencies for billions and billions of dollars, something on the tune of 50 billion bucks. So the money became a huge motivating factor for them to auction off these frequencies, including a narrow band of C-band frequencies next to our radio altimeters. That's interesting you bring so, that bring up the FCC's involvement and, and thinking in this one, because I was part of the startup for satellite radio in this country 20 years ago, uh, and that's when, the, uh-huh. that's when the FCC took these frequencies that belonged to the people and sold them off to what is now XM and Sirius for a lot of money, but that money never came to the public. It was never put into a trust or used for the public. So the FCC has been doing some interesting things over the last 25 years or so. And what you're alluding to, I think, was a big battle that became a problem for GPS satellites. Somewhere along the line, we had the same battle with GPS satellites, and finally they made a compromise and move the frequencies to avoid the interference with GPS satellites. But a compromise will have to be made. It's just that it should have been done before now, certainly. We've had plenty of time to see this coming, and we needed to reach this compromise long before now. We're talking with Juan Brown, a local commercial pilot, about the new 5G rollout for the telephone industry going up against the FAA, trying to land and and take off airplanes around the country. So we've got a two-week delay. Then what happens in two weeks, Juan? Well, we don't know. Hopefully we will come to an agreement, and the telecoms will agree to not have 5G 
wireless in a two-mile radius of the final approach course of these precision approaches at these particular airports like Sacramento that should, for the most part, take care of it. I'm looking at my internet right now, my feeds, and I got a big ad from Verizon about 5G coming and all of that, which is probably going out all <laughs> over the country. So can they just drop it down to 4G around the airports and then we're okay in the hospitals and stuff? That's correct. If, because what they want to use is the existing 4G infrastructure and switch those towers up to 5G. 4G has not been so much of a problem because it does not use frequencies that are a problem with our radio altimeters. But some of those towers are in the path of our uh, approaches, and those are the towers we don't want to see powered up to 5G. I guess we wait two weeks. What's the date uh, when we'll know when the, this is resolved, maybe? Well, I don't know, two weeks, <laughs> hopefully two weeks from now, and it won't be completely resolved. We'll just continue to stumble through all this until we reach a better agreement. What we don't understand right now is why are they using, why do, why do they need this C-band frequency so close to the radio altimeters? I think they're just borrowing these frequencies for a, a certain amount of time until they get some higher frequency technology, which will do the job better and give you the actual 5G that you're paying for from the telecoms. It's very hard for the insiders to figure out what exactly are they, do they need this one particular frequency uh, near the radio altimeters. And is this going to be a permanent thing or is this just going to be a temporary thing? Is it, are we waiting for the future technology to enhance the 5G to the point to where they won't need these frequencies that are in question? And that would solve everything, but... So right now they've kicked the can down the road a little bit, but we still haven't solved the problem. Exactly. And I don't know why it's so hard to get the telecoms to agree to not interfere with the airlines. The airlines were here first, and that's the way the laws work on the radio frequency allocation is, as you know there at KVMR and your engineers, um, you're here first, you've got this frequency allocation. If somebody else moves in, the newcomer has to cease or desist or move their frequency to stop the interference. And our radio altimeter technology was designed years ago, years ago, and we didn't have any interference problems from neighbors. So we don't have a high filtering capability on these radio altimeters. And by the way, these things only put out about one watt because they didn't, they didn't need a high filtering capability at the time. Now, in order for us to redo all our radio altimeters in the industry is going to be a long and slow process. Yeah, we can improve the radio altimeters. We can crank up the filters for them, but it all has to be FAA approved through the PMA TSO process, which is a bureaucratic process of testing, which will take probably a couple of years. So it's not that easy to simply upgrade the airline's radio altimeters. Who's going to pay for it? I mean, we only have to upgrade them because you guys moved in. Shouldn't you guys be liable for some of the cost of this upgrade and improvement? Well, Juan, we thank you for all of the information. We'll check back in a few weeks and see what they've decided to do to fix a problem which uh, could really cause uh, severe delays for air travel in the entire country soon. Yeah, that's right. If we can't land in less than half-mile visibility, once one airport starts getting backed up, it backs up the whole country really quick. We've been talking with Juan Brown, a local commercial pilot. Thank you so much for all your information, Juan. Very good. Thanks. Thanks, Felton. We'll talk to you soon.
That's our newscast for this Friday, January 21st, 2022. Stick around. Up ahead at 6.30, we'll hear the California Report magazine. Despite California's strict gun laws, the state has a major problem enforcing them when it comes to firearm owners convicted of domestic abuse. On this episode, the report's Sasha Coca meets with one Central Valley family to hear how this failure has impacted them. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening to the news this evening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Ha <laughs>